Joel chapter 1. Joel chapter 1. This morning we gathered around the Lord's table and remembered the sacrificial offering the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, made to pay for our sins. You could have no greater proof of the love of God than God sending His only begotten Son to suffer and bleed and die for us that we might be saved. This morning we saw the, the in the morning uh, preaching service, we saw the great joy that is ours in knowing that that same Lord Jesus who has risen from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father, is going to return to this earth and rule and reign uh, in a kingdom that, that has no end. And we shall rule and reign with Christ. And, and I, I remind you of that because when we view other parts of the Bible that are equally true and declare God's righteousness in some other aspect, people immediately forget the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God. When confronted with the judgment of God and the wrath of God, they suddenly are tempted to find fault with God. And so it's important that we start at the Lord's table. How could you find fault with one who gave his son broken body, shed blood, free offer of salvation, eternal life for the taking to whosoever will? How could you find fault with a God who then fulfills the promises he made to those who refuse his son in bringing judgments upon them? God's not unrighteous not unrighteous at all. And so the Bible says in Joel chapter, chapter 1 and verse number 15, Alas for the day, the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Father, help tonight. Please help. Help me to speak the truth, to bring honor and glory to your holy person, to your Son. And Father, may May not one person under the sound of my voice reject the truth of who you are and fail to understand your righteousness in these matters. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name, and amen. If you are saved by the grace of God, you will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and be, to ever be with the Lord prior to the time of Jacob's trouble. Thank God it's not the time of the church's trouble, but the time of Jacob's trouble when, when God in, a, in a, period, a span of seven years, the 70th week of Daniel's great prophecy, uh, fulfills the, the judgments, the, the promised and threatened judgments that he made against the people of this earth, Israel and the Gentile nations, for rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God we are not appointed to that time of wrath, but to escape that time of wrath. Then there are those, 144,000 male, virgin Jews, 12,000 of every tribe. We believe the Bible, uh, we believe what it says, we believe it's true. They will be sealed in their foreheads. They will be God's witnesses during the seven-year time of great tribulation. Uh, that's Revelation 7. Revelation uh, 14. And the Bible says in the book of Daniel chapter number 12, they shall turn many to righteousness. That, that many, that company will also, as typified by the two witnesses being raised from the dead and by the 144,000 sealed so they cannot die, being seen around the throne of God in heaven, that company will also be taken out of this world 
prior to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, which means when this day of the Lord occurs, there will be no believers present to be the recipients of these judgments. And so upon those who heard, did not believe, who, who heard and refused, who had every opportunity uh, being warned from John the Baptist uh, all the way through the tribulation time to, be, to flee from the wrath to come, but did not believe there would be any wrath to come. It is not on God to be responsible for the punishments that fall upon those who disregarded the truth of the Word of God. Here's what he says. Uh, Woe, uh, I'm sorry, last of the day of the Lord is at hand as a destruction for the Almighty shall it come. Is it not the meat, uh, is not the meat cut off before our eyes? Yea, joy and gladness from the house of our God. The seed is rotten under the clods. The garners are weighed laced. The barns are broken down. The corn is withered. How do the beasts groan? The herds of cattle are perplexed because they have no pasture. Yea, the flocks of sheep are made desolate. Seven years of terrible tribulation judgments. Sun scorching the earth, the waters are poisoned, uh, rivers and, and seas turning to blood, and, and uh, that, that wormwood star uh, falling to the earth. Just terrible destruction upon the environment for those who worship the environment, not God. Those who tried to save the earth when God told them to make sure to get their souls saved. Uh, here comes the destruction of their, of their beloved nature. The Bible says in verse 19, O Lord, to thee will I cry, for the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and the flame hath burned all the trees of the field. The beasts of the field cry also unto thee, for the rivers of waters are dried up, and the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness. I hear people say, well, I just believe we're going through the tribulation. You couldn't go through that. You might go into it and meet your death, but you're not going through that. And I don't care how, how well prepared you think you are, you're not prepared for the total devastation of the forest, the grass, the pastures, the herds, and the waters on this planet, uh, not to mention uh, everybody out to kill you uh, because they've lost their minds in the, in the terrors. All right, so Bible says in verse 1, blow ye the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, it is nigh at hand. Are you saved? I'm saved. Are you saved? When I hear about the day of the Lord, I don't tremble. I get excited. I get happy. Why? I'm on, I'm on his side. But he's addressing those who would not join his side. It is, verse 2, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and a thick darkness. As the morning spread upon the mountain, a great people and strong, there hath not been ever the like. Neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. Whatever you have read about in history, how many deaths, how much destruction, however great the plagues and the famines and the pestilences. God says in the Holy Bible, nothing has happened in the history of the world to compare with how terrible this day of the Lord will be. 
If I, if I wasn't saved, I'd get saved tonight. I wouldn't even wait till the end of the message. I'd get saved right now. I'd just, I'd just get down my knees right where I was sitting and say, God, save me before this wrath falls on me. Verse 3, a fire uh, devoureth before them, and behind uh, them a flame burneth. The land is as the garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness, and nothing shall escape them. The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses, as, and as horsemen, so shall they run. We read some of that on Thursday evening. Like the noise of chariots on the tops of mountains shall they leap, like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble, as a strong people set in battle array. Before their face the people shall be much pained. All faces shall gather blackness. This is people getting burned, torched, exterminated standing on their feet in opposition to Almighty God. They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb the wall like men of war. They shall march every one on his ways, and they shall not break their ranks. Neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk every one in his path. When they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. This is a supernatural army of destroyers let loose by God upon the earth. You can't kill, they, they, can, they can kill you. You can't kill them. They shall run to and fro in the city. They shall run upon the wall. They shall climb up upon the houses. They shall enter into windows like a thief. The earth shall quake before them. The heavens shall tremble. The sun and the moon shall be dark. The stars shall withdraw their shining. And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army. For his camp is very great. For he is strong that executeth his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. And who can abide it? If I was you, I'd be in God's indestructible army, yeah. not refusing him to be destroyed by God's indestructible army. Praise the Lord. You know who's leading this army? The peaceful, loving, gentle teacher from the Sermon on the Mount. You know who's leading this army? The good shepherd that would put a lost sheep on his shoulders and carry it home. You know who's leading this army? The one who went to the Garden of Gethsemane and wept until blood drops uh, came forth on his brow, who went to that cross forsaken of his father and died for your sins and for mine. But the next time, the next time he comes, he's not coming to save sinners. He gave sinners 2,000 years to be saved. Yes, He's coming to deal with those that refused the salvation that he offered them. Who stand before God, not only having sinned and come short of the glory of God, that's why we all need to be saved, but having stood defiantly against the pleadings of God's Holy Spirit to trust the beloved Son of God who died that their souls might be saved. Look in Psalm number 2. Psalm number 2 uh, tells the tale in small part, but in very clear language. Psalm number two. Psalm number two and verse one. Why do the heathen rage? That's a really good question, isn't it? And the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. These are men of power. These are women of authority. These are people of choice who choose to say, God will not reign over me. 
Jesus Christ will not be my Savior. I will not bow before this Holy One. I will not yield to the convicting power and the revealed truth of the Holy Spirit of God. Well, what would you do if you were the Lord? Ignore that? Excuse that? Lie so these people don't think you're cruel? Let's see what he says. Verse number four, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet for all their raging, yet for all their imaginations, yet for all their taking counsel together against the Lord, yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. God the Father is going to give God the Son this entire planet. And all those who, who chose to receive him as their Lord and Savior will enjoy ruling and reigning with him for that thousand years and enjoy praising him and dwelling with him throughout all of eternity. But those who said, I despise him. I refuse him. I resent him. I reject him. Whatever it is you think you've come up with that'll get you out from under his wrath makes him laugh at you. I don't like that God. You better get to like him. He's the only one there is. He's the only one there is. And he's going to deal with those who refused him in wrath. Look at verse number nine. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, you kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. And ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Well, that's all awfully negative. No, look, look how it ends. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. I've trusted the Lord. Amen. I'm not the least bit concerned about those threatenings in verses 1 through 12. I've not taken counsel against him. I've agreed with his counsel and trusted him as my Savior. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to say something that I, I understand. I understand that this is now, <laughs> amazingly, this is now 2024, and I understand that we are now 60 years from the time when uh, a time of which Brother Roloff prophesied. Lester Roloff preached in the early 1960s, and he said to a, to a room full of preachers, he said, boys, once every home has its own television, we're finished. So I understand your thoughts of God have been shaped by perverts in Hollywood, yeah. by movies and television programs, and, and I understand that you found comfort and sympathy in those that take counsel together with you on social media against the Lord and against His anointed. But, but let, let me just tell you something. You need Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ doesn't need you. God, God is not waiting for you to do Him the favor of letting Him come into your life. He is doing you a favor of letting you receive His life. 
Praise the Lord. So it is a miracle that God would save my soul. It's not a miracle that he would destroy me if I reject him. It's not a strange thing at all. Uh, you see, this, this, this six decades of humanism pumped into the hearts and minds of sinners has, has led them to elevate themselves above God and place God beneath them as though, as though somehow the Lord just couldn't live another day without me. You know, from eternity past, to 1976, God didn't have me for one of his children, and he did just fine. Yes, sir. He, he just, he made out okay. He, he managed the entire creation process. He imagined all the history of the nations throughout the Old Testament. His son went to the cross and died. He, he managed to build his church over 2,000 years and spread his gospel to every kindred and tongue and tribe and people on the face of the earth. And when I got saved, the Lord didn't say, finally, the help I've needed. <laughs> he said, good thing you called on me. I was just about to drop you into hell, boy. You think that's, I don't think that's mean. I think it's amazing grace. Yeah. I think that's marvelous, infinite, matchless grace. Yeah. Now let me ask you a question before we read some other passages tonight. If, if in the book of Acts, you read about people who trusted Christ as Savior and told their neighbor what Christ has done for them and were imprisoned for it. And God told them, don't raise your hand against your foes. Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And then Christians were martyred and tortured and persecuted. And, and you, if, if you read the history of Christianity, what we have recorded of it over the last 2,000 years, well, there, there was a man, he took over Cambodia, a man named Pol Pot. Pol Pot was so determined to exterminate Christianity from Cambodia, if he heard a rumor that there was a Christian in a town or a village, he would send his army and kill everyone in the town and everyone in the village to make sure he got the Christian. You know what the Lord said to those, those suffering people in prison camps and, and, and torture chambers and, 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 uh, and, and lockdowns and gulags and all the rest of that? He said, preach the gospel, love your enemies, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Now, if he doesn't execute vengeance and he doesn't repay, why did he tell his church to suffer all that and not fight back? God's not unjust. He's not unrighteous. He's very patient. He's very long-suffering. But there is a day, the day of the Lord, when he's just going to put an end to all this foolishness. Praise God. And you don't have to suffer any of this if you distrust him. Look at Matthew 24. Let's go there. Matthew chapter 24. This is Jesus Christ speaking. This is Jesus. He said, consider the lilies. Consider the sparrows. That's Jesus. Jesus said, if you notice that widow giving her two mites, he's so loving, he's so gracious, he's so kind. He took that little maid by the hand, said, damsel arise, and brought her back from the dead. He went to the funeral of Lazarus and, and comforted his weeping sisters. He, he just, uh, he's just such a loving, wonderful person. I believe that. 
So here's what happens to people that trust him. Verse 9, they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. You should be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many be offended, shall betray one another, shall hate one another. Uh, verse uh, 11, many false prophets shall rise, deceive many, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now, let me ask you something. If that loving Jesus put his love in your heart when you believed on him, and people who refuse him treat you like that, is it not okay with you if one day he does something about that? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay with me. Yeah. It's not okay with you if he comes down here and turns this world order upside down. Yes, sir. Yeah. Amen. It's all right, because when the righteous king is not in authority, look what you get. You get this mess you're living in. And this is the best country in the world. You, go, you, you don't even want to try to imagine what it's like in other parts of the world. So here's what he said. Look in verse number 21. Same thing you find in Joel. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Except those days should be short and there should, be no, there should no flesh be saved. But for the next sake, those days should be shortened. Here's what the Lord said. If... When I, when I start with my vengeance, when I start with my judgment, when this day of the Lord begins, if it wasn't limited to a very short space of time, no one would be left alive on the face of the earth. Yes, sir. Because everybody there rejected me or they wouldn't be there at my second coming. He's taken all believers out. Well, I just don't think that's, that's, that's right. Well, you, you tell him that on, as you're facing him as he's coming toward you. <laughs> when, he, when he's riding down on that white horse, we'll read about it, toward you as you stand there in, in, in Megiddo with your little sword and, and you're, you're ready to take over the world in the name of the beast. When you see Christ coming right at you, you tell him, I don't like this. You're not being nice. <laughs> Man, you need to get in the reality of the Bible and get out of these, what Psalm 2 calls, imaginations. Amen. The people imagine a vain thing. You know, you know your world's messed up when the devil's a cool guy and God's a, a mean, cruel uh, yeah. tormentor. Yeah. Yes, sir. You, your world's messed up. All right, look at Revelation 19. Since we brought it up, let's go ahead and read it. Revelation chapter number 19. Revelation 19, verse number 11. Revelation 19, verse 11. I'll tell you what let's do. Before we read, before we read this, look at verse number 4. The four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen. Amen. I'll read it both ways. Northern, northern way, southern way. Hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, ye that fear him, both small and great. 
I just don't think I, I, I don't want to be afraid of God. Well, that's how you get to heaven. The people that feared God are in heaven and the people that didn't fear God are about to get wiped out. Both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia! For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Amen. Somebody ought to put that to music. Let, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. He said to me, Said thou do it not. I am the fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God and the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So before I read to you about this destruction at the day of the Lord, the people destroyed could have been in heaven singing hallelujah. They could have been in heaven having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ as close as that of a husband and a wife. They could have been in heaven sitting at the Lord's table feasting at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. God's not a bad guy. You just made the terrible mistake of refusing him. Right. Yes, sir. If you miss the glory of heaven, if you're on the wrong side at the, at the second coming, the day of the Lord, it's not on God, it's on you. Don't blame the Lord. Say, I cannot believe that God had me sit through all those church services and all those sermons, and I just ignored every bit of it. Verse 11. I saw heaven opened. Behold, a white horse. He that sat upon him is called Faithful and True. The good guy is coming on the white horse. And in righteousness, he the judge and make war. All those people, I just don't think it's right to judge. Guess what? Somebody's coming and he's right and he's judging. Yeah. Yes. Amen. And he's making war. Because the only way you can bring peace on earth is to put down all the bad guys. His eyes were as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed, the vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. Now listen, 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 right now, listen to me. The Word of God, Hebrews 4.12, is swift and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, Hebrew, uh, Ephesians chapter number 6. Listen to me. God's Word could have pierced your heart, brought you to repentance and faith, and you could have been part of that praising, worshiping crowd in heaven. If you refuse that, God's Word will be the sword that ends your life and puts you in hell. Yes, sir. Same sword, same God, same Jesus Christ. 
You better choose well. You better choose well. Far too many people making the wrong choice. Look what the Bible says here. Out of his mouth goes sharp two-edged sword, with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Now that crowd in Psalm 2 said he wouldn't. He said he will. I'm putting my money on him. I'm, 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 betting, it, I'm betting on the white horse. <laughs> he shall rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress. Look at this. He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. He hath on his vesture, on his thigh, a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Mm -mm -mm. Now, what happens after he rides through? I saw an angel standing in the sun. He cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. You could have been with Jesus at supper. If you refuse him, he will make you supper for buzzards. That's what the Bible says. I don't like that kind of preaching. You better get to liking it. Too many people toying with God, making a joke out of God, making a mockery of the warnings of God in the Bible. He doesn't want to do that. He's not willing that any should perish. Look at him on that cross. He doesn't want this to happen to you. But if you want it to happen to you, it's going to. Well, I'm from another country and we have a different religion. Did you see what he said? He shall smite the nations. Not one or two. All of them. He's the only Savior for all people in all lands. And if they refuse him, he will be the judge of all people in all lands. Now, how severe will this be? Well, let's, let's take a look at just one spot. Revelation 14. Revelation 14. And verse number 14. I looked, behold, a white cloud, upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, in his hand a sharp sickle. Another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for the grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great wine press of the wrath of God. And the wine press was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the wine press, even under the horse bridles, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. If millions and millions and millions of little human beings gathered their weapons and marched on Jerusalem and said, we are united in our belief that Jesus Christ will not rule on the throne of David. He will not be the king of the Jews. He will not establish himself as the Lord of this earth. He will by himself take out that entire army in one day. 
I'm all right with that. I've seen what man does when they set themselves in defiance against God. Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4, last book of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 4. Oh, this, uh, this is so dark. It's so ne- Well, this morning was very cheerful, very uplifting, very encouraging. And tonight, this is not, not dark and negative if you're saved. I mean, the, the unsaved people, here's what they do. All over the world, the unsaved people say, well, you know, if there's a God, why didn't he do something about, about Hitler? And it's always Hitler. It's never Stalin. It's never Chairman Mao. It's, it's, always, it's always Hitler. But uh, why didn't God do something about all this murder and all this killing and all these? And then when you read to them what he is going to do when he does something about it, but I didn't want him to do that. Well, look, either he's, he's going to stop it or he's not. Yeah. And two generations of parents have found out that saying, oh, no, no, please don't, doesn't stop it. <laughs> Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. Behold. No, wait, before we read this. Chapter 3, verse 16. Then they that feared the Lord... You see who's missing out on the, on the judgment? The people that fear the Lord. I don't like this kind of preaching. If it creates in you a fear of the Lord, it's the best thing that will ever happen to you. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. The Lord hearkened and heard it. A book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. That's us. That's what we did this morning. It's what we did this afternoon. It's what we do every day of the week. And they should be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my jewels, I will spare them. As a man spareth his own son that serveth him, then she returned to serve between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God, him that serveth him not. So you could have being spared by your father because he's your son and being rewarded with jewels. You could have that. So when we read about the judgment in chapter number four, God's not the bad guy. Those who rejected him were just dummies. (laughs) This didn't have to happen to them. But look what happens. Chapter four, verse one, for behold, the day cometh, day of the Lord, that shall burn as an oven. And all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts." You know what a calf in the stall does? It gets fed. That's it. It doesn't plow. It doesn't, it doesn't pull a wagon. It, it, it just lives in the shade, waits for the farmer to bring out another round of food and water. I could do that for you. The sun that's rising to burn the enemies of the Lord could rise upon you to heal you give you never-ending life. You'd do well to fear the Lord and come to Him while you can, 
rather than listen to the voices of those who are going to be destroyed, who are encouraging you to be with them in the time when they and you will be destroyed. But God is going to, the Bible says, Jesus Christ is going to burn his enemies in some locations of this great battle in the day of the Lord, and in others slay them so that their blood flows as high as the reins on a horse's bridle. And after spending six dec decades of my life hearing about murder and assault and child molestation and sexual perversion and wars and rumors of wars, if God has to resort to these means to stop it, hallelujah. Amen. Whatever it takes. And apparently that's what it takes because preaching love and grace and salvation for 2,000 years hasn't put a dent in the thing. So bring it on. All right, one more stop. Isaiah 63. Isaiah, by the way, Happy New Year. Isaiah, Isaiah 63. In case I forgot to say that. Isaiah 63, verse number one. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? We dealt with that at length in the Obadiah commentary. It's out in the lobby. This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. Who, who is this, this man? I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Amen. It's the righteous Savior, it's Jesus Christ. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine fat? I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me. For I will tread them in mine anger, and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. For the day of vengeance is in mine heart, and the year of my redeemed has come. And I looked, and there was none to help. Isaiah said, who's going to do this? Nobody around here can do this. And I wondered, there was none to uphold. Therefore, mine own arm, there's the Lord speaking, brought salvation unto me, and my fury had upheld me. I will tread down the people in mine anger and make them drunk in my fury, and I will bring down their strength to the earth. Anybody believe that? I believe that. Amen. Anybody believe that's just and righteous? I believe that's just and righteous. But even more so when you consider this. When we read in... in Revelation 19, that as the heavens open and that rider comes down on that white horse, he's wearing a vesture dipped in blood. Now Isaiah 63 says he is going to splatter his garments with the blood of his enemies, but they're already bloody when he leaves heaven on his way down. And he says, I'm not willing that any should perish. I died for all men. I'm willing to save all men. Whosoever will, I'll forgive their sins and save their souls. But there is a place in my heart, says the Lord, there's a place in my heart for the day of vengeance. Not for what they did to me, 
what they've done to my children, my people. You know, all of you that are parents, grandparents, if somebody hurts you, that's on one level. But they harm your children, your grandchildren. That rises to a whole nother level. And Jesus Christ has watched this world persecute his own for 6,000 years. And there's a place in his heart that is ready to settle that score. So when I speculate, I, I, I like to tell you that I'm speculating and you, you don't have to agree with me on this. I think I'm right, but, but I, I, I wouldn't argue with you about it. But when Jesus Christ was beaten with the fists of men, when they put that crown of thorn on his brow and, and beat it with that rod, and, and, and when they ripped out his beard by the roots, you, you understand his mouth is bleeding and his nose is bleeding and his face is bloody and, and his, his sacred head now wounded. That, that blood is flowing down upon him. And then they stripped him of, of his raiment and gambled for his clothes. And there have been movies made and books written and songs sung about, about the man that won the, the, the gambling game and went home with a robe of Jesus. I don't think he kept it long. I think the Lord came to claim it. What other blood-stained garment would be in heaven for him to wear? What other clothing that belonged to him that fit him perfectly would be stained with blood? And I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. But suppose tonight as God the Son sits at the Father's right hand, Every time there's a, another wave of persecution against the church, every time somebody else tears up one of his churches with their, with their actions, can you see the Lord Jesus Christ look at that garment and look at his father? And his father says, not yet. Not yet. But one of these days, one of these days, God the Father is going to turn to God the Son and say, go ahead, Son, put it on. Put it on. And Jesus Christ is going to clothe himself in a garment stained with the blood he shed to save sinners. And come back and deal with those who today, if he came again, would spit in his face, would punch his cheek, would drive a crown of thorns into his brow. Only this time. He's not coming to sacrificially suffer for them. He's coming to execute vengeance and judgment upon those who have done. You know what he said? If they've done it unto me, they'll do it unto you. And they have. And they have. And so Joel warns everyone that has ears to hear, do not desire the day of the Lord. It is not a good day for you unbelievers. It's a terrible day. Tonight, I can read these passages. I can preach these passages. I can be sad in my heart for those who don't believe them or who believe them and don't respond. But my future, 
is to be part of that countless multitude that's singing, Alleluia, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. My future is to be part of that crowd that feared Him and is receiving jewels while the world is receiving tribulation judgments. My future is to be as close to Christ as any man and woman have ever been to one another in their marriage union. My future is to feast at the Lord's table at the marriage supper of the Lamb. You see, I don't enjoy these passages, but I, I like them. I'm okay with them. Because when I read my place in them, there's nothing for me to fear and nothing for me to be worried about. But if you're here tonight and you're still in opposition to the Holy Spirit of God's pleas for you to repent and turn to Christ, you really better stay up tonight and think about this. You really better think about it. I knew about Jesus from the time I was a little boy. I knew the gospel from the time I was a little boy. I could stand in front of a, a, a Sunday school class and quote John 3, 16 from the, before I was able to read. But these last, these last nearly 50 years of my life have been so wonderful and so blessed because one day I had sense enough to get afraid. Afraid of the God I knew about, but had never bowed before. Afraid enough to realize what this one who loved me enough to save me would do to me if I didn't get saved. And some of you, some of you, I don't need to convince you that God is love, but I do need to convince you that God is wrath because you need to fear God enough to come and get in on this wonderful salvation Amen. before it's too late. Amen. Heavenly Father, we're thankful tonight that you made a way for us to escape these judgments that will befall those who never had their sins washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for any man, any woman, any young person under the sound of my voice tonight that has never come to the realization that the day of opposing God will end very badly for them and that the day they trust Christ as Savior will be the beginning of a wonderful, everlasting life. Save that soul, Father, please. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.